Hi, welcome to the podcast. In this session, we will cover MRI use during pregnancy and gadolinium contrast. Imaging studies are important adjuncts in the diagnostic evaluation of acute and chronic conditions in pregnancy. However, confusion about the safety of these modalities for pregnant and lactating women and their infants often results in unnecessary avoidance of very useful diagnostic tests or the unnecessary interruption of breastfeeding. In this session, we will cover the specifics about MRI use based on the ACOG committee opinion number 723. The principal advantage of MRI over ultrasound and CT is the ability to image deep soft tissue structures in a way that's not operator dependent and does not use ionizing radiation. There are no precautions or contraindications specific to the pregnant woman. MRI imaging is similar to ultrasound in the diagnosis of appendicitis, but when MRI is readily available, it's actually preferred because of its lower rates of non-visualization. Although there are theoretical concerns for the fetus, including teratogenesis, tissue heating, and acoustic damage, there exists no evidence of actual harm. With regard to teratogenesis, there are no published human studies documenting harm and the preponderance of animal studies do not demonstrate risk. Tissue heating is proportional to the tissue's proximity to the scanner, so it's negligible near the uterus. Finally, available studies in humans have documented no acoustic injuries to fetuses during prenatal MRI. So, in considering the available data and the risk of teratogenicity, the American College of Radiology concludes that no specific consideration is recommended for the first versus any other trimester in pregnancy. Now, unlike CT, MRI adequately images most soft tissue structures without the use of contrast. However, there are diagnostic situations in which contrast enhancement is of benefit, and there's two types of MRI contrast that are available, gadolinium-based agents and super-paramagnetic iron oxide particles. Gadolinium-based contrast agents are preferred in imaging of the central nervous system because they cross the blood-brain barrier when this barrier has been disrupted, like in the presence of a tumor, abscess, or demyelinization. Although gadolinium-based contrast can help define tissue margins and invasion in the setting of placental implantation abnormalities, like a placenta accreta or percreta, non-contrast MRI still can provide useful diagnostic information regarding these placental implantation abnormalities, and in most cases is sufficient most of the time. Okay, while MRI is not controversial in pregnancy, gadolinium may be. Even though it can increase the specificity of MRI, the use of gadolinium-based contrast enhancement during pregnancy is a little controversial. Uncertainty surrounds the risk of possible fetal effects because gadolinium is water-soluble and it can cross the placenta into the fetal circulation and the amniotic fluid. Free gadolinium is toxic and therefore is only administered as a chelated or a bound form. Now, in animal studies, gadolinium agents have been found to be teratogenic at very high and repeated dosages, presumably because this allows for gadolinium to dissociate from the chelated agent. In humans, the principal concern with gadolinium-based agents is that duration of fetal exposure is really not known because the contrast present in the amniotic fluid is swallowed by the fetus and it re-enters the fetal circulation. 
The longer gadolinium-based products remain in the amniotic fluid, the greater the potential for dissociation from the chelate and thus the risk of causing harm to the fetus. Now, the only prospective study evaluating the effect of antepartum gadolinium on reported pregnancy outcome was with a N of 26, so it's a very small study. More recently, a large retrospective study evaluated the long-term safety after exposure to MRI in the first trimester of pregnancy or to gadolinium at any time during pregnancy. Okay, so this study took a look at a universal healthcare database from Canada to identify all births of more than 20 weeks from 2003 to 2015. Comparing first trimester MRI to no MRI, there was no increase in stillbirths or deaths comparing those with the MRI to those without. Now, the risk was also not significant for congenital anomalies, neoplasms, vision, or hearing loss. However, comparing gadolinium MRI with no MRI, the outcome of any rheumatological, inflammatory, or infiltrative skin condition actually had an adjusted hazard ratio of 1.36 compared to no MRI at all. Now, stillbirths and neonatal deaths also occurred more frequently with an adjusted relative risk of 3.70 among those exposed to gadolinium MRI. But there's some important limitations here. Remember that limitations of this study assessing the effect of gadolinium during pregnancy included using a control group who did not undergo MRI at all, rather than patients who underwent MRI without gadolinium, and the rarity of detecting rheumatological, inflammatory, or infiltrative skin conditions was still evident. Again, it was a pretty rare finding. So, given these findings, as well as ongoing theoretical concerns and animal data, gadolinium use should be limited to situations in which the benefits clearly outweigh the possible risks. And that's the opinion from the American College of OBGYN. Well, gadolinium is one kind of MRI contrast. What about the second kind, super paramagnetic iron oxide? Well, to date, there just is not enough animal or human fetal studies to evaluate the safety of super paramagnetic iron oxide contrast, and there's no information on its use during pregnancy or lactation. So if a contrast agent does have to be used during pregnancy, gadolinium is recommended. All right, let's take a break from this and let's come back and wrap up this podcast reviewing the use of gadolinium during breastfeeding. The water solubility of gadolinium-based agents limits their excretion into breast milk. Less than 0.04% of an intravascular dose of gadolinium contrast is excreted into the breast milk within the first 24 hours. Of this amount, the infant will absorb less than 1% from his or her GI tract. Although theoretically any unchelated gadolinium excreted into breast milk could reach the infant, there have been no reports of harm. Therefore, breastfeeding should not be interrupted after gadolinium administration. All right, this wraps up our quick review of MRI use during pregnancy, specifically with the use of gadolinium. Data for this podcast was taken from the ACOG Committee Opinion number 723. We'll see you next time.